Lauren Vaughn and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 32, November 3rd, 2016, features Nicholas Hummingbird and his powerful presentation, Bringing Home the Medicine. Nicholas Hummingbird travels to the Standing Rock Sioux Nation to stand in solidarity to protect the waters and sacred sites from the Dakota Access Pipeline. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. So I just wanted to say welcome to the Metabolic Studio. We're so glad to have everybody here for the last of this sequence of Explorers Clubs. Um, The idea of bringing everybody together for lunch uh, was to really talk about what we're doing here at Metabolic Studio and to share it over a meal. Um, And one of the things that we've been working on um, is how to engage with the uh, struggle for indigenous voices to be heard. Um, and and also how to struggle with the current situation in the Dakotas. So um, Nicholas was part of a group of people that went out and is going to share his story and hopefully a little bit more than that. And then afterwards, um, for anybody who would like to, Lou is going to give a tour of our new project, our new what we call undevelopment on the east bank of the LA River just over the bridge where uh, Tuesday night we um, dug a fire pit and um, baked uh, oyas that we've been making here at the studio um, in preparation for bending the LA River back into the city. It's one of the ways that we're planning on um, humanizing the infrastructure that will accompany that transformation. So it's hot out, and we will have um, umbrellas for people, um, but Lou will uh, make himself available at the map over there by the wall, probably about 10 minutes, 15 minutes after we're done. And it will take about an hour, the whole thing. So thank you very much, Nicholas, for coming. And uh, thank you, everybody, for coming to the studio. Awesome. Can you hear me? Oh, this is cool. <laughs> I normally don't like microphones. So, haku haku kichantik hirkoku yopai hino naramu Nicholas. And when I says introduce myself in my language, traditional language, and I want to say thank you so much to the Metabolic Studio. Thank you so much to Lauren, to Millie, and everybody who worked so hard here. We have a gift because I never go anywhere without presenting a gift and this is for you Lauren a gift of life, a native plant we, um, this journey wouldn't have been possible without the support of the Metabolic Studio you know it was a dream for us to go out to Standing Rock and, and I got a phone call that you know it could have been a possibility and it became a possibility and so thanks to the Metabolic Studio the Wishtoyo Foundation, the Wishtoyo Shumash Foundation, which is a, a foundation that I've been a part of for many, many years. And I'm grateful for them and putting together a last minute trip and we were all able to go. In total, there was about 14 of us. And that's all of us up there. That's my family, those are my cousins, my uncle. 
We're all Shumash people from here in Southern California. We range from, we have Sarah, who's in the front from San Pedro, Leah to the left of her, who lives in Carson, and we have Bidi or Sergio in the very far left, who's up in Ventura, Sarikoy, and a smiling guy in the back is my Uncle Ray. I love Uncle Ray, he lives up in Santa Barbara. Then Mateo is a local uh, teacher with the Anna Bookhawk uh, School. And then in the back is, you can barely see him, that's Miguel, and then there's me. I wasn't ready for the picture. <laughs> and then my cousin, we called the Unabomber. We said that he looks like a Dapple security. Maybe we'll be, ha we call him Dapple security. We'd, uh, we'd be safe with him around. But that's my cousin Diego. And his girlfriend's in front of uh, in front of me next to Sarah, and that's Solange, and my uncle Danny, and then my cousin James. And so we started out on this journey, and what we did is we we went out to North Dakota, and I don't know how many of you know what's going on in North Dakota. Just a show of hands, if you know what's going on, raise your hand. It's it's a huge. It's beyond words, but I can really tell you. It's more than just an environmental movement. This is a movement that has been necessary for over 500 years. As indigenous people, we've suffered the very worst of colonization. And I say we suffer, but we do still suffer. We pay the price of each and every one of you and everybody else in this country to be here. We pay the price through the destruction of our lands, the sacrifice of our land, our water, our air, through our ability to live as human beings with, with respect. Because we're seen as in the past that we're not here. We're seen as this romantic notion that we're always these stoic, proud people, but we have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, overcoming to do with, with the traumatic loss of life that we experienced. And within this movement, it's more than just standing up for the water, which I hope every human being has the ability and, and feels the necessary right to do, is that we're standing up for that 500 years. We're saying enough is enough to the destruction of our land, our, our water, and what we hold sacred because our culture from day one teaches us about the notion that there's a future that we have to adhere to. That we have consequences right now, whatever we do today or tomorrow is going to affect the future. And that's something that's a concept that's been drilled into our heads since day one when we were born. And that's something that everybody has to start thinking about. We all have to be responsible for what we do and how we do it. And so what this movement is about is protecting the water, saying enough is enough, and standing up essentially for the rights of humanity. Because each and every one of you have a right to healthy land, water, and air. And the day you become silent about those rights is the day you lose them, and we're losing them. And now we have this huge movement that we're doing peacefully. Because if we didn't do this through peaceful prayer, if we didn't do this through the strength of our, our tenacity as human beings, they would have killed us all by now. They're looking for any opportunity to kill us because there's so few remaining and we're such a thorn in the side of the, in the history of this country that they would look, seek to just obliterate and wipe us out. And that's why we had to do this through prayer. We had to do this through peace. We had to do this nonviolent. And it's still, if you've seen the videos, know what's going on. It's amazing. Any other group 
Would they be able to do this through prayer and nonviolence when you're met with batons and sound canyons and military-like force? And so where it started was right here for us. We're poor people, Shumash people. We're broke. We don't have reservations. We don't have casinos. We're not recognized by the state or the federal government. So that allows us to be, you know, on our own, essentially. We hold ourselves responsible for our culture. We hold ourselves responsible for the future. We do all we can, like we have our tumul, our canoe. That's the first time in 150 years we've had our canoes. We're ocean people here in Southern California. We travel back and forth from the mainland to the islands. We have a story where we start from the islands and we cross over to the mainland. And we're just a small people. And we knew we had to stand up and we had to support our family in North Dakota, uh, knowing we were going to go or not. And we had a little sign right there. This picture's kind of cropped. But it says, Shumash say no to Dakota Access Pipeline. And over to the left, it's supposed to be an oil rig, which is something that we have off of our coast. Many of them been de- decommissioned. But the Obama administration back in March opened up with the Army Corps of Engineers, our great friends, the ability to start drilling and fracking for new oil off the coast of our ocean. And we are ready to fight that tooth and nail. Whether we have to take our tamal and park it in front of the boats or wherever they're going to drill, we're going to do it. So Standing Rock isn't just in North Dakota. It's here too and everywhere. And that's the awareness I want to really point Because when we all came back, we brought back a little piece of that standing rock in our spirit. And this is where it started. We were in our canoe doing, uh, we couldn't make our crossing this year to Santa Cruz Island, so we went off the coast of Santa Barbara for 14 miles. We paddled. I paddled with my my brothers and sisters, and I'm right here, and you know, Diego's right here. And and the conversation started right here, and probably this moment where I said, Diego, everybody in the canoe, I was like, would you guys go to Standing Rock if you could? I would go, but I got all this stuff. I got work and everything. I'm like, what if it was possible? And he's like, yeah, I would like to go, but I don't know. And, and it happened. Because after that, you know, here we are. <laughs> Literally two weeks later, we had the trucks packed up. We were here in Barstow, and we are getting out there. We rented a, a truck two vans and then there's my truck and we loaded it to the gills we were we we're running low man we were just barely clearing on our wheel wells right there we had so much support from the community not just our community but non-native people from all over the place donating money you know supplies and we rolled in with like at least 10 of everything you can imagine medical supplies toys for the children that's what really got me emotional is when we were giving the food and we're giving the blankets and the tents but then the kids who were there they don't understand what's going on they don't understand that you know People are getting beat up because they're in the camp. They're not on the front line. And then their parents are coming home at night because they got arrested for, for standing up for them. <clears throat> Here we go. We're leaving California for the, for the first part of our journey. We took a long route. We went to Albuquerque first. And then we shot up to North Dakota because we had to pick up somebody. And this is a, a moment for me because... <laughs> I lived and worked in Florida for a little bit, and I, re- and I realized that I'm never going to leave home, which is California for me. I'm like, I'm never going to leave home, especially before I see the redwood trees or I do this, this, and this, because, like, you know, I have so much here. But with this trip, I had to go 
we had to go show support. So this is pretty gnarly for me because I haven't left in about six, seven years. And this is us coming up to this, the Colorado River over there on the border with Arizona off the 40. And there's the two vans and there's my Uncle Ray, Mr. Leadfoot in the very front. You know, the, what we didn't realize is, you know, that, that truck has a V6 like mine, but, you know, this one right here can barely run. <laughs> when we go up the hills, this van is the slowest. So we tried to stay together and we did our best. We actually stood together. I mean, held our held ourselves together for like most of the journey. We got separated once and that was about it. But, you know, I stood in the back with with uh, you know, with walkie talkies and we communicated with each other. Because for us, you know, when we started out, it, we had our group of people and we had additional people that we didn't know in, included in our group and we started having some kind of turmoil where we were getting upset, we were getting anxious, and I we had to stop in Colorado and really talk to each other and be like, We need to overcome this. We need to overcome our own personal battles because we're going someplace where this kind of energy is not going to do any good. We need to be strong and we need to be supportive and we need to overcome our own battles to help them overcome what they're facing because what we're going through is so minuscule. And it, and it worked. We know we were learning to get along better and we are working together and communicating better. And so we got into Arizona or New Mexico pretty late. It was around 7, 8 o'clock at night. And... It was great being someplace where you just saw nothing but native people. We, we were on a couple of reservations, but I need to tell you that these reservations are so poor. These people are living in the third world conditions. You know, here, since we're California tribes, we're poor, but we're not isolated. You know, we have the ability of jobs. If we lose a job, we have the ability to go and find a new one, hopefully rather quickly, or we have skills that we can put to use. Here in the middle of nowhere, these tribes are living absolutely poor, and we witnessed right here in that picture in the top left was police harassment and brutality of an elderly woman who was about 80 years old. And, you know, we had something to say, you know, but we didn't want to get arrested too. But, you know, luckily due to the presence of us, you know, there, the police kind of backed up. Because there is, you don't see in that picture, three police cars for one little old lady who went in there to buy some snacks for her grandchild. And so we witnessed that on our journey, and then here's us, you know, we had young and old colliding. My uncle wanted to use the road atlas, which I don't blame him, because it's, and other people wanted to use the GPS. And so we're arguing, because, you know, he didn't trust the GPS because the internet signal will go out, and then we'd lose it, and, but we're working on that. And here's a great banner that my volunteers, Susanna, who's here, where you at? Raise your hand, Susanna. She was one of the main artists who really helped with this banner, this beautiful banner. I wanted to go out there and present something to the people, show them where we're from, show them the beauty of our culture, the ocean and the dolphins and our canoes with the island and the rainbow, the rainbow bridge. And so we were on the road and we were scared because we were hearing all these conflicting reports. As we're getting into Colorado on our first leg of our journey, you know, we heard that the, the National Guard was being called in and all the roads were blocked up. We had no idea what we were gonna do. Like, what if we get all this way, we get up there and we're turned around. These, we heard reports that they're, they're seizing people's supplies. Like, we didn't know what we were gonna do. 
So we kept, you know, trying to stay positive, stay strong, and we ended up coming up south. And I recommend for any of you guys, I really recommend if you can go out there, you go out there and support these people. They need, they need numbers. They need support. Whether you go to the front lines or not, we need people up there bringing supplies. If you're going to bring stuff, bring stuff that's enough for yourself and enough stuff to give as a gift. And when you go there, don't, if you fly in, don't come straight from Bismarck down into the camp because that is all military clothes and the police are harassing people. So the best and the safest approach is to come up from the south because when you come up through the south, you go through Eagle Butte, which is uh, the Cheyenne River Reservation, and then you go up into Sandy Rock Reservation, and, and that's all the tribal jurisdiction. They don't have jurisdiction, the sheriffs and stuff, to go in there and police and harass you. So you're able to get into the camp through that route. And as we got in, you know, talking about water, water is life. You know, in California, we're going through this incredible drought. And everywhere we went, Arizona, even New Mexico, it was raining. And then we got into South Dakota here, and it was pouring rain, and you had rainbows everywhere. And this is us as we arrived into the boundary of the Standing Rock Reservation. Pretty tired. We had 13, 14-hour, 16-hour days of driving. We're just going straight. Luckily, everybody else in the vans and stuff, they all had people they could switch with, you know, alternate drivers. But it was me. I just drove the whole way on my own to and from. So this is the camp. As you're coming up from the south, you pass over the Cannonball River, which flanks on, on both sides of that camp, you know, with the river surrounding the, the camp right here. This is the Ochete Chacoan, as it's called, the Sacred Stone Camp. And then further off into the left, you can't really see in the corner, is a Red Warrior Camp. And as you get into the camp, you see off to your left of the picture, the avenue with all the flags. There's hundreds of flags up there for all the different tribes that have come. Every tribe that comes brings a flag and they put it up. And it's just, it's huge. When we were there, it was about 5,000 people. We got there about the time that they had the dogs sicked on people. And I thought that was the worst it was going to get. You know, I was like, wow, we're here for that. And hopefully it doesn't get any worse than that. And we've been proven wrong. This is where we camped. There's the road we came in on. As a plant person, I was geeking out that they had ryegrass out there. You know, it's the same species that grows here. And I was like, that's so cool. And it's all abundant and it's healthy. And it's nothing but beautiful land for miles and miles. When you live here in Southern California, you lose what nature really looks like. You know, you go for... 100 miles in any direction and you don't see nature until you really get up to the 395 or into the Sierras. The five doesn't count because you're going through agriculture land. But when we left California, we hit Arizona and on and so on forth to North Dakota. It's so much natural space. I was really grateful to see that because I feel like being here like it's such a battle for nature and I feel like so much is lost and you see all this expanse of beauty and it's just like, wow, there's still hope. There's still beauty left in this world, this country. And so we had set up our camp. That's us on the left. You know, I had to put our banner up. We put our flag that we all signed and put Chumash Republic instead of California Republic. And then we wrote on the bear hoose, which is how you say uh, bear in our language. And so it was really windy. It was super windy. And so we put all the vehicles on the side where the wind was hitting, and we put the tents in the middle. And we were able to build a small fire. And, you know, here's when you first come in near the main circle, you have this teepee that everybody is signing. And they're writing messages of hope, and a thing fills up in a day, and they have to put a new one out. Here's my cousin writing his little part in there. 
and that's where you come in on the left, all the cars. Constantly, you stand right there where that guy's eating, and you got cars coming in all day. And you have these kids, are like, every time somebody, a new state comes in, they get all excited. When we came in, they're like, California, yeah! You guys came so far. It was so cool. And, and it was great because we were able to bring like a bunch of stuff. We brought avocados and stuff. And the people were like, whoa, these are fresh avocados. And straight out of California and oranges. And they were so happy. It was really neat to be able to, to lift their spirits and bring them stuff. And, and, and it, meant a lot, it meant a lot to them that, they, that, that we were there. That we came so far to bring supplies and just support them. And there's my cousin Leah. As we got there, we, you know, I didn't bring my regalia. I wish we would have. You know, we were just so geared to go. We would have done more of our presentation. But she painted us all up, which is beautiful, and in our in our much as we call them. And we did our cultural introduction, as we call protocol. Is that when we go someplace else, we honor the land that we're on. Whoever the tribe is, we give them gifts, we, we make it a ceremony that we respect and we honor them, and we, res- and we expect that to happen when they come to our land. Something that's oblivious to the culture of the United States is that there's thousands of nations you know, throughout this country, and that we know when we're not home and we're someplace else, that we honor that and we give them. And so we always bring gifts and we, we give gifts to them and, and, and say, may we be here? And they say yes, and you know, then we go about respectfully what we're going to do. And so we're able to go in there. We sang a couple songs, and these are my guys. And these guys don't do anything. They barely sing a song if you make them. But I, I made them dance. And this is the first time they danced. And they're there in Standing Rock in front of all these people dancing our Shumash songs. We did the Ancestor song. And what the Ancestor song is to wake up the spirits, bring our ancestors into this place. And so we sang and there's a point where we all come out and we're all out there. And our dances are really different here in Southern California. We're individual dancers. We don't really like all conform into one kind of way. But we, we intertwine. We have a dolphin dance, we have the barracuda dance, we have a deer dance, so many, the snake. We represent the world that we know. We wear the world that we come from, pelican feathers, seashells, you know, pine nuts, whatever it is that comes from the place that we call home, our territory. And so here's our people representing us in the most beautiful way. You know, we got put on NPR, it was really cool. Oh yeah, and I forgot to say, this little boy came out and danced with us. Because it was trippy for them, because they have drums, you know. We don't have drums, we have rattles and we have clapper sticks. So it was probably something new for him. And he, he came out and he started dancing with us, it was so cool. And this is one of my favorite messages left on one of the teepees. No dapple, just apples. <laughs> And you see all the names that people write on there. They, and then you have right here, I didn't really notice it, so right now, our family from the Owens Valley, the, the Paiute, who were there at the same time we were. Paiahunadu. That's awesome. <coughs> and so while we were in the camp, the camp was a place of, of overwhelming emotion. If you go there, you're going to feel overwhelmed initially. You're not going to know how to deal with these feelings. It's so much positivity. I mean, I went to the porta potty because that's what they've got there. And you hug and you greet 10 people. And they ask you where you're from, what tribe you are. And they say, welcome. And it's beautiful. It's a whole other world where you bring stuff and you only take what you need. You know, you don't pay for anything. 
If they have a whole tent dedicated to clothes, food, supplies, whatever you need, you tell somebody and they get it for you. And you use it to give it back or you make sure you use it and you, do, you, you give something in return. And that's something that, you know, is incredible. You know, in, in, in the midst of all this stuff going on, the camp is where the elders stay and the warriors go out to free here the front line. You have the barricades. It was a trip for me to be there because I've seen all this stuff on videos. You know, being there, seeing everything, seeing where this happened, where that happened, it was like a reality check for all of us. You know, you have these barricades that they had initially set up to block that road that's in the middle that takes the, the, the trucks and the tractors out to build the pipeline that the Standing Rock Sioux got arrested for or were fighting for, you know, to close that access point down. And what is really hard to really talk about is across the street. So here we are on the street. You know, to my right, I have this whole scene, and to my left is a scene where they built the pipeline where they didn't build the pipeline like they were supposed to or going to. What they did instead was destroy as much as they could of the sacred burial grounds. There was people buried there. There's artifacts. And they came in and it was this massive crater just destroyed. They asked for no pictures, no video. There was just nothing but messages and, and, and prayer ties and, and offerings to those ancestors who got destroyed. It, it was... <laughs> It was, it was really hard, you know. It was, it was a wake-up. I've been doing this for a long time, cultural stuff. I've been doing it for about eight years. I dedicate my life to our culture. You know, before that, I was always messing around. I was a punk kid, drugs and alcohol, and, and not knowing who I was and, and being ashamed of that. And, and this is nothing new for me, seeing this kind of stuff. This is happening for them right now. But this has been happening to us since the days of the missions, two, three hundred years. And we still have to fight for what little we have left. And so that, that sent home a lot of emotions for our kids, for our, our people who were there on this journey. That It was so raw for them to experience that, to see that firsthand. Because for us, all of our ancestors are sacred places, our villages, my village, are all under skyscrapers, under shopping malls, under parking lots and freeways. So it's hard to have that connection, knowing what was there before and just seeing it what it is now. A lot of our people have a hard time understanding or visioning what, what it was. And then right there, I couldn't resist, but the Cali natives opposed to that. <laughs> they could access pipeline. That was so cool. And this is the Cannonball River. This is what's adjacent to the camp. And this is where you pass over on the highway. And it's so beautiful. I mean... You go in there to get cleaned up, but you get dirtier than when you went in because there's this mud there that just cakes on you. And there's no showers whatsoever at the, at, at the camp. You know, you kind of have to go find other places. You go in the river or something, but it, it's full-on camping. But it's like so much more than camping. You got teepees, and you got tents right next to the teepees. It's the first place I saw a teepee when I call it, and it's, and it's, uh, it, is nat- it is natural area or state. Because we have teepees here, but people bring those and they set them up thinking it's all Native Americans use those. But we have something very different here in California. But it's cool to see that. And then you got some creative signs. I love this one. No dabbling. <laughs> you know, they, it, 
It's great to see so many young people. And this is another view of the Cannonball River, looking with the camp on, on the banks. You know, you have the teepees and you have the water. And this is the water source that's going to be destroyed and contaminated if this pipeline goes through. This is what is at risk, first and foremost. And then while I was there, as we headed out, I picked up some swag from my truck. I've been rocking to know the code access pipeline stuff on my truck since I got back, and I've only gone two honks, you know, where people actually know what that is. It's pretty, when we went across the country, we had tons of people, you know, showing support to us and, you know, honking and raising their fists and going like that throughout the whole country. When I came here, nothing. Nobody knows what it, what's going on. Nobody understands the situation. And this is, when we came home, I got a gift. I gave away a couple of my abalone necklaces, and I got that medicine wheel. And that was a gift from the people. These are made by uh, youth from uh, Pine Ridge. If you don't know Pine Ridge, Pine Ridge is one of the, the poorest places in this country. The kids are living in the utmost poverty, and there's a lot of violence and and oppression and, and alcoholism, and there's so many problems there. And the kids, this man was inspiring his youth to learn their culture and carry on their culture. And he rode up in horses, and they were making these, and they're passing them out to people, especially people who are going on a long journey like us, or people who are going to the front lines they have with them. And then this is me just two nights ago over in Pasadena, you know, because that event happened on October uh, 27th on, on Thursday last week where, I don't know if you saw, but they came in with military force and just brutalized every single person that was there. What had happened was a pipeline was going to cross the road, and this is undeniably, by every right and every law in this country, the land of the, the, the Dakota people. And so what they did to protect Ochete Chacon was set up a barrier on the road to block the access of the cops because the police are a constant harassment. It's not just the police, it's the National Guard, it's the, the North Dakota Highway Patrol. The most notorious one is Morton County Sheriff. And, and they fly planes, they fly helicopters over the camp, they do it in the middle of the night to wake you up. Right now they have huge floodlights just blasting the whole camp all night to prevent you from sleeping. And so they wanted to protect their elders, their people, their children who are back in the camp. And so they sent up, basically, uh, by imminent domain, by all rights, they blocked the road. They put a camp right in the pipeline route, teepees and, and, and cars and, and motorhomes. Everything was there, and they had a few hundred people. And the government and all these agencies came together, and they weren't going to stand in. They just got rid of everybody. And they destroyed everything, and they put a pipeline right through that. And in the past five days, they've laid over five, almost six miles of pipe, working throughout the day and night. And this is something I wanted to share. This is the road to the construction area where the pipeline is being built. And it says, don't mix oil and water, which will prioritize. And you got the cedar, which is a very sacred thing put on that, on that fence. And so, you know, I wanted to share that. That's, that was our journey. Even though we're there for such a short amount of time, we experienced a lot. And as soon as we got back, our kids right away, you know, undeniably wanted to go back. Like, we got to go back to Sandy Rock. We got to go back to Sandy Rock. We got to be there. And I had to talk some sense into them. Like, you need to be there, but you need to be here more. People from all over the world are focused on going to Standing Rock, but we have Standing Rock here. We have Standing Rock everywhere. And this land needs you more. 
This land here doesn't have anything unless you stand up for it. Because all the environmental agencies, you know, they have the ability to, you know, advocate and push for things to happen. But at the end of the day, they can give or take. It doesn't matter to them as long as they get some part of it done. For us, there is no give or take. It's all or nothing. And we need Native Indigenous voices on these issues. We need Native Indigenous representation because this affects everything. It affects our future and it affects your future. And that's something we have to come with the concept of is that we're all in this together. What we're standing up for is something that you should be standing up for. Because our children are going to pay the price for our greed and our, and our inability to do something right now. And so I wanted to end it with this photograph because it goes off into the distance. And there's that little bit of resistance still. And I'm going to show you some videos of the situation that's going on here. So this one is powerful and you need to see this. This is just within a couple days, uh, just two days ago. The drone is inching right over the drill pad. The drill pad that Dakota Access Pipeline has built very hastily and quickly in secrecy. This drill pad looks approximately half a mile from the main water source, Missouri River, which flows into Lake Oahe. Lake Oahe is the main water source for the Native Americans and millions of others. Surrounding this drill pad is barbed wire, presumably to keep the protectors away from it. allowing the company to nearly finish the pipeline in the dark. Would you be available for a quick interview, officer? Now the question is, does Dakota Access disregard the Department of Justice and Army Corps of Engineers and drill under the water? Or does this construction stop leaving the Department of Justice and President Obama as the final arbiters to whether they could drill under the water? President Obama, Department of Justice, Army Corps of Engineers, it's time to get people down here. We cannot operate on the honor system. You need to observe what they're doing to make sure they are not drilling under this water because they are a heartbeat away from the water. Get somebody down here now. So it's a dire situation. This is just two days ago, and that's the situation. They're about to go under the water. This is what people have been fighting so hard against. And this happened yesterday. So where you're seeing the police, whether it's state police, Dapple security, they're on top of a giant mountain that is where their ancestors are buried, the Native Americans. The Natives want to go and hold a peaceful prayer circle on the other bank. This is land that is theirs per the Laramie Treaty of 1851. This is a sacred burial site. But also, they're saying it's Army Corps of Engineer lands, which means on multiple levels what's happening here is illegal. This is a militarized police force up against an unarmed, peaceful, prayer for people. 
So I was out there, one of the first ones in the water. Mesa says, hurts, hurts. Like I'm watching the salt mine protest with Gandhi. I mean, these people are in the water. They're freezing to death. This, this water is not warm. I couldn't feel my legs. I had to get out or I was about to pass out. They're trying to disperse women and children because there's a fear that the cops that are coming in on those boats over there have actual bullets. I see a sniper laying right there on the ridge. You can see his rifle sticking over the edge of the ridge right there. The sniper is not holding rubber bullets. I guarantee you, these people from the North Dakota Police Force and the United States government has lost legitimacy in every respect today. President Obama needs to step in and intervene before we have loss of life on either side. You guys ever say anything like this? This is absolutely insane, man. These people are just trying to protect their families, protect their water. It's like a row of dominoes. You got one maced over here, one maced over here, one maced over here. Did they give you a warning that they were going to mace you? Oh, not at all. sitting there with my hands up, and I told him I love you, and the guy came and sprayed us. They sprayed me in the face for probably six, seven seconds, and I just stood there until they were done. Once you feel the power of these people, I mean, it brings tears to your eyes. People, they're fighting for a human right just to have clean water. So we are the seventh generation. There's a poverty of the black snake and that's what this is that we are the seventh generation that our ancestors predicted that we have to stop this that we were going to be given the tools and the power to be able to do something and we hear our mother earth crying our mother earth is dying and we were we've been brought here we are the seventh generation that was prophesied we're going to make a difference we're going to do something the video you just saw it's not even the worst of what happened. If you saw the video from Thursday, you would be moved to do something. You cannot watch this and go back to your daily life. You cannot watch this and think that it's acceptable. And this is nothing new for us. We deal with this every day. It's just finally somebody's watching, somebody's listening, and the world is seeing. And we ask you for your help. We ask you to support, whether it's sharing on Facebook, whether it's going to a rally, whether it's even going to North Dakota yourself. Like I said, they would kill us all if they could. But we're still here. Against the greatest genocide that this country could produce, we're still here. And that is the strength of our spirit. That's the strength of our culture. And that's the strength of the human spirit, the human dignity, that we're all in this together and we got to do something. And you see them macing people, but they're also using chemicals against people. They're using cans of mace that are the size of fire extinguishers. At point-blank range, they're using these. At point-blank range, they're shooting people with shotgun bean, the beanbag pellets. They have snipers with beanbag pellets. They're beating people with sticks. I'm ready to go back. I'm going to go back sometime soon. 
and I'm willing to put my life on the line. This is something we're dying for, people. This is something unselfish. That was taken from us, and, and now we're being sta- seen as trespassers on our own land. And this is from last week on Thursday. Our people are tired and sick. Our people are done. We're sacrificing our self-determination for the profits of billionaires. It's infuriating to look at hills that have our ancestors buried there. Sacred ground, burial mounds, carrying our grandparents. And we're told that we can't walk there, that we can't pray there, that we can't put our bodies on the line to protect for Pain runs deep. Where this pipeline is proposed across the Missouri River is within the designated area of the 1851 Port Laramie Treaty. That land was designated for our usage land that was stolen from us by the United States government, land that was sold to white farmers and ranchers, and then resold to a multi-billion dollar corporation, Energy Transfer Partners. It's far beyond ironic that we're being persecuted protecting our land that was stolen from us. where we are merely doing what our ancestors did. It hurts so deeply that in the same place that our ancestors struggled for their lives, we're still struggling today. What's changed? Nothing's changed. We're still struggling for our lives here. We're still struggling for the future. So, these are videos I wanted you to see. There's so many more videos on Facebook and, and stuff if you really want to learn more, but these are three that really stood out to me to give you a greater understanding of what's going on. You know, I try to be positive and Normally I'm not so nervous doing talks or anything like this, but this is hard to talk about. It's hard to represent or try to explain the situation when you're so far away and you see this happening. You see what's happening in our backyard here and what we're going through and what we're going to be up against. Because like I said, they're going to start fracking our coast here. They're going to start putting more oil derricks out on the, on the ocean, even though we've had all these oil spills. And that here in Los Angeles, we should truly know how sacred water is because we don't have any anymore. We steal it from everywhere else. We steal everything here in Los Angeles. And we have everybody else to pay the consequences. The Owens Valley pays the consequences of our water mismanagement and our water waste. The Colorado River pays that same price. Everybody else in the deserts to the valleys pays for our small emissions, for our trash, for everything. 
we have a lot that we have to change right here in, in Los Angeles. Because that's the thing with this story is many people feel like it's something that's an isolated incident. It's not an isolated incident. You know, we have to do something on all levels in every single place that we can. Because water is life. Mini Wichoni is how they say it. Mini Wichoni roughly translates into water is me or I am water. Because when a, born, when a baby is born, they're born in water. They're, they grow in water. And then the water is released and the baby comes into the world with that offering of water as a gift for the, for the birth of that child. And we don't have any... Going up to JPL, learning that 98% of all water on earth is salt water and only like 2% of it is actual drinking water. We should not be wasting it. We should not be doing this. And so my message to each and every one of you is, you know, find it within yourself to, to support, make a change, try to do something, because we have ourselves to answer to, we have the future to answer to. I know I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions for those people who came before me and the decisions that they made, but we right now cannot afford those same decisions to be continuously being made at the destruction, at the price of our current generation's future and the future of anyone else to come. Because what we have right now is, is diminishing, it's dwindling at an alarming rate. We can't afford to lose anymore. And I know if I have kids, I'm going to tell them, Dad did everything he could for you. Dad stood up for you. Dad saw your future and put it over his present. And I want you all to say the same thing. Especially if you, if you want to do something, hold yourself to that thought. Hold yourself to that responsibility. Because at the end of the day, we talk about rights, our rights, our rights to this, our rights to that. We don't talk about our responsibility. We don't talk about what we're supposed to do. I have a right to this, so therefore I'm going to destroy it. Where the responsible thing would have been like, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to enhance it. I'm going to make it better. But because there's money involved... A lot of us become weak. We lose ourselves. And that's where we feel that we have to have a revolution in our way of thinking. Morals and values need to come back to our lives. We need to value that which cannot be bought, that which cannot be replaced with any amount of money. And so we have our songs, we have our dances, and this is a song I want to share with you. So I'll take this off. Actually, I should probably just turn it off, right? See, I'm not used to these things. <laughs> I share my culture with you. As individuals in our culture, we gather our strength, our power, we call it, that gets us through the hard times, that inspires our youth, inspires our elders, who sacrificed everything they could for us. They went through so much for us to have what we have today, a village with our homes, a canoe that we can paddle. In their vision, we're benefiting so much. And the future is growing up with these things, and we're trying to build it more. And the same thing, we're trying to get our rights with Standing Rock. So I thank each and every one of you for your opportunity to sit here and listen and put up with me. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not always... I'm not always easy to listen to. <laughs> you know, I get deep, I get dark, and I get real. Because it's truth. And if we have to hide from truth, we have to hide from reality. 
and I don't want us to hide from reality anymore. I want us to fix that reality and hope and, and inspiration for a future that we all deserve. So thank you very much. A microphone for questions. Yeah, the other microphone. Or not. Yeah. Do you want to record it? Okay. Sorry to tell you this. Zuni. Thank you. Within my community, there's a lot of Southern natives and a lot of people know because there's a lot of Mexicans and Southern and Mesoamericans within this area. And so we had a debriefing of ourselves, uh, of our own too, within our community. And um, this was with uh, one of the persons within our community that he's an MMA fighter, but he went over there to support our cousins. And so he told us, he gave us a debrief of what's going on over there. And uh, so he was up there in the front lines recently when all this commotion was happening. And so he told us how the lowdown on what's going uh, what's going on over there. From what he said is that there's a lot of um, not so much communication. There's a miscommunication out there from the elderly to the younger cats that are um, that are in this movement of native people, and then also also of non-native people and how people want to attack this situation. Now, what I agree with a lot with Nick is that. Not only because I'm broken, I can't go with it, but we should focus on what's going on right here because there's native people everywhere. And there's even people that are not even considered native people that are native that are, we're all going through a struggle. But, you know, if you want to support Standing Rock, like we, you know, we should be because it's a big topic and then it can also help to show people that, you know, we are here and there is a lot of problems going on. But that out there, so legally, on the United States terms, what happened out there was that the generation, I believe 10 years ago, back the older generation that was there, that was governing the whole um, the reservation, I believe, is that, um, that that, the construction that's happening was already settled. The, the older uh, governing system that they had in the reservation, they had settled with, uh, with the, the Army Corps of Engineers, right? that they had already agreed for them to do that, and I believe it was because, we don't know the reason why, but it had happened. And the newer generation that came in, of that governing now, when they saw this happening, they're like, no, we don't want this to happen. The thing is that it's kind of already too late, on legal terms. This is just on legal terms. So, unfortunately, we have this system that we have to go by, and we are um, not well equipped as, as the United States government is. They have arms, and they, they're from, from the MMA fighter. He was telling us that in numerous hills right there in, uh, in Sandy Rock, that there's a lot of uh, snipers every night and every day that are posting up everywhere. So there's a lot of militant going on. First, the way the system goes is that first they uh, bring in the local government to come in, which is the cops, to take care of the, um, the people out there. And then, the, then they bring in... Um, I think it's the army, and then they do the, the forcing. So they force everyone everyone back. So we no longer have access to that pipe. So we're pushed back. And it, from what I know, it's that it's closer to the main camp because there are several um, camps. And within that main camp is where 
there's that division of other temps, and that's another issue that we'll get into right now. But so the only space they have now is in that main camp, and I believe the um, for them to legally be there, I think it's the lease or something that they can stay there is up to three days, and that was about two or three days ago that we had this discussion. So I think that lease is done for. And so from what we heard, well, I haven't heard any updates. I don't know if the main camp already got, uh, uh, if they went in there and pulled everyone out or anything. I don't know any updates on that. But um, from that main camp, they were thinking that they, either they might come in or they just, they'll keep the blockade that they have right now, which is the main camp, because we no longer have access to that pipe. So, and that pipe is going pretty rapidly because it's really easy to weld that pipe. We have a welder within our community that he knows it's really quick to weld those pipes and it's really easy. So the only way we can actually uh, fight this is uh, calling the, the, the Army uh, the Corps of Engineers and also supporting, because there's people out there that are going to stay there. The other thing was that um, people that were out there that actually live in that place is that the winter there is really harsh. So there's a lot of people that don't know how to survive out there in those harsh winters, and they can die out there. So they were really telling people that, you know, not to come because of that, because they're afraid of their lives being at risk. And so, but from what I've heard from the from the fighter, from the, from the deep briefing is that there's people that are gonna stay there no matter what. The thing is that I think those people are set for that. They're set for the winter that's gonna come because not only, the, the winter's so bad that they won't, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get in there to give people supplies. So it's really harsh winters. And um, so there's people that are going to stay out there. And we're actually supporting the people that are going to stay out there in the forefront that they have gained this space that they want to keep to try to, I guess, go into the pipe. We hear that there's people within the camp that are going out there to find out what's going on. And they go out there during the night. Um, so we're supporting them by giving them stuff that they can protect themselves with, like motorcycle helmets, um, padding, like motorcycle gear, so then that way they don't get hit by those rubber bullets and mace. So we're supporting them in that. And, and I actually have a, a site that we're actually, there's gonna be on, tomorrow there's gonna be a gathering where we're gonna be collecting either stuff that people are bringing in or donations. And we also have a couple places on Facebook that they have all these numbers of people you can be calling, so that way you can tell them to make a stop to this. Uh, so as far as that is, as far as that, uh, we have that going down. And um, within the camp, it's a battle between older generation wanting to do a peaceful protest and newer generation wanting to do stuff hands-on and really fight this physically. Uh, so there's a lot of mix within the camp, from what I was told. Um, so that's really what we have now, is that if you really want to make something happen, make something happen where you're at. Um, just like Nick said, you know, really look at what's going on within our neighborhoods and what, what effects are being done to, the, to our ecological system that we have, and not only that with Native people around. And um, so yeah, and yeah. What's more the sites that you said that you can donate things? Yeah, I can, I can put it up actually. I can go on my Facebook and I'll, and I'll put it up. And Maybe then you, guys you can, can also it. send it to us and we can put it on our website. So, so um, the yeah. Sacred Stone Camp has an official website that you can donate monetarily to. Yeah. My biggest thing is, you know, is if you, 
Yeah, if you, if you, if you know somebody who's going out there and you trust that person, yeah. send supplies with that person. Yeah. Send supplies that you that you would think in a situation like that that people can use. What I'm thinking of really is snorkeling mask because it you protects your nose and your eyes from you know the mace that you're doing. And also you can breathe through your mouth if you have to, or you can have the bandanas or something like that for you to cover your mouth. Things like that are whatever you think you would need in a sub-zero <laughs> situation. Sleeping bags, clothing, all those things really add up. So putting yourself in that situation and seeing what you would need and anticipating that for others, most likely. And then just getting in contact with people you know are going, you trust them because you know there's a lot of scams out there to be wary of. And there's a lot of rumors and that's important to like kind of dispel those as they come up. Like $2.5 million is given to bailout protesters. That wasn't true. So and it's important also in our terminology and how we say things like what I just said as a protester. We are protectors, not protesters. We stand up for those that cannot protect and stand up for themselves, like the water, the, the rights of the land, and, and the ancestors in the ground. So with that, you know, yeah. You don't think you've done yeah, uh, the, well, from what I understand, you have to commit to go under the water again. So that's the one thing that all of us can call on for and to ask them not to give the permit to go under the water. Yeah. That's the one thing missing. It's a big piece in this that all of us can do is make those phone calls also to our senators and to our representatives. There was representative from the Coachella Valley that spoke on Yeah, Tuesday. he was there when I was there. Again, yeah, yeah, I got right to meet on. him. And, and so it's important that we just keep making those calls to representatives asking them not to give the permit because they can't finish it without going under the yeah. water. And that's the actual issue right now. Yeah, and hound them. It's so important for us to pray. In however way that you pray, spiritually, this is a spiritual war. It's a spiritual issue. Mm -hmm. And if there ever was a time that we could work on the karma of our country, it is now. And that, that karma has come and has rise up. And we're facing this genocide that's been taking place and this way of being that has been just assumed throughout our lifetimes. And there's a time that today, all these religious leaders uh, went, a whole uh, group, I think there were 30 religious leaders that went, rabbis, uh, ministers, priests, that today declared in the front line that that the church no longer recognizes uh, this manifest destiny doctrine that they had put out. That today they ask for forgiveness mm. of people, of, of, the, of the destruction, of the genocide, of the sexual abuse of children and the schools and everything that's happened the taking away the language today they ask for forgiveness and they went as a group to the front line to talk to uh, to the militarized police and to try to negotiate with them this morning knowing that very well they could be arrested they all had their members of their legal aid on their arms but this was happening this morning and I think that's so profound and so important that we put that into the mix today that there are many, many leaders from all over the country that have their churches backing behind them. There's city council members who actually got arrested or who came from different areas of the country, from, from Wisconsin, that have been arrested. So it is this energy, this, this consciousness is getting out there. Because every time you speak about this, every time you say it in a prayerful way, that energy up and that energy does change things. So thank you and thank you so much for doing this today. So so important. Thank you so much. Thank you.
getting choked on this. But uh, what I want to remind everybody is that you may not be indigenous to this land, but you're indigenous to this earth. And with that comes the responsibility that you have to this earth. Wherever you call home is to leave it better than you got it and leave it in anticipation of those who are going to follow after you, which means not wasting, not thinking in the moment of yourself, but thinking of the consequences that has, I want to remind you. Just say welcome to my home. Hmm. Welcome home, because this is where you're at, this is where you live. It's been our home for 15,000 years. Let's work together and fix this for each other and for our future. So thank you again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the latest Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.